Welcome everyone to All About Windows Phone Insight podcast number 132, recording this on Tuesday the 24th of March 2015. I am Steve Litchfield, with me my regular co-host Rafe Blanford. Yes, hello everybody. We've uh, finally managed to get this podcast underway after four abortive attempts, uh, bringing you the regular weekly podcast with everything about Windows Phone. Always an interesting week when we get to talk about a new device, uh, another entry to the low-end portfolio, we'll be covering that off, as well as some interesting Windows 10 announcements, and no doubt we'll manage to talk about some of the other features and news that we've posted on the site over the last week or so. Yes. Yeah, so when Rafe says four abortive attempts, he doesn't mean we got half an hour in and then decided to do the whole thing again. We actually got about 10 seconds through and we stumbled on things like our names. <laughs> it shows that time. Yeah, a little bit worrying that we can't even remember our names or uh, we're recording yeah. this relatively late on a, a Tuesday evening, uh, as we are always regularly doing now. But it does mean that sometimes the, uh, I think, the lack of sleep the night before catches up with us. Hope we don't notice too much in the podcast. It does give us a chance to relax a little bit more after a day of writing about the news or talking about mobile or whatever it is that we've been up to. Yeah, so on the downside, you get us tired. And on the upside, you do get a regular podcast every week. So so we'll be thankful for that. Uh, we do have some stuff to talk about, Ray. If every single time we uh, prepare a nice table, comparing all the different Lumias with their specifications and essential parameters, uh, Microsoft, or it used to be Nokia, now Microsoft, goes and releases another one. Just <laughs> we have to extend the tables and redo them all over again. In this case, it's the Lumia 430, another uh, low-end phone for specific markets, um, Asia Pacific, India, Middle East, Africa, Russia, Kazakhstan, Ukraine, etc. We don't really need to worry about this, these devices too much, do we, Rafe? But basically, whichever ones are appropriate to our market or the markets, the people listening to this podcast, they'll get those devices. And no single market will get all of the devices to confuse users. That's absolutely right. And uh, I think it's probably a point that's worth stressing because a few people have been commenting that you know, why are Microsoft announcing so many low-end devices. Well, partly that's kind of the nature of the market. High-end devices actually tend to last longer on the shop shelves by their very nature. And kind of the same really applies to the mid-tier. But really, at the low end in particular, you'll see regular updating of devices. Now, this is partly because component costs change in actually a relatively short period of time, sometimes as little as three months. And actually doing an update to the phone can make a difference or you're targeting a particular feature at a certain market. And that can be usually something around the chipset or the radio or, or it can be something a little bit different. I think also the fact that kind of smartphones now have gotten so commoditized, it's actually quite easy to kind of redo a phone without sort of having to go through the full creation process. And I feel that happens particularly at the low end. But what you will typically see is not all the phones being available in one place. I mean, sure, if you're buying SIM free, you can probably get hold of most phones in most places, especially if you're willing to kind of do a great import of a phone. But for everybody else, what you'll typically see is maybe four or five phones available on the shop shelves. And, you know, the UK is kind of a good example of that. You can see the 930, you can see the 830, you'll see the 730, and then you will see the uh, 635 um, as well. You won't see any of the dual SIM phones because typically operators in the UK don't like those. Then on the low end, you'll see something like the 530 and then possibly uh, a 435 
or something like that. They it, it, it gets a bit different then. And of course, when you talk about one operator over the other, one will choose to maybe have the 435 as their lowest end. Another will have the 530. They probably won't have the full range. They might choose to have the 730 and the 930 or the 630 and the 830. So it's perhaps a less confusing picture than most people would actually imagine. Yeah, yeah, we should mention this. The 430 is this new announcement. And of course, we had the 435 only a couple of weeks ago reviewed on the site, Rafe. Um, to be honest, the 530 was the real low point of the Windows Phone range, certainly on the Microsoft stroke Nokia side. And the 530 was just a compromise too far in every regard. The 435, as I reviewed it, basically takes that same form factor and fixes everything. And it's cheaper. You know, it's got the, the full one gigabyte of RAM, the full internal storage, eight gigabyte, the front facing camera, yay. All the sensors you need, you know, ambient uh, light sensor, etc. Capacitive controls, and it's got a better camera and a better display. And so the 435 was a, a really stunning device. Stunning is perhaps too strong a word, but a very, very impressive device for the price. And the 430 basically is, is kind of the same device with a few small tweaks. Do you just want to summarize for the listeners the differences between the 430 and the 435? Sure. I, I mean, I think there are some differences which are pretty irrelevant. And a good example of that is the lower battery capacity. It's 1500 versus 50, 60 milliamp hours. So just 60 milliamp hour difference. You, honestly, you won't notice that um, in any meaningful way. But I think more interesting is the, the fact it's actually a slightly smaller device, uh, certainly in terms of volume. So it's uh, 120 times 63 times 10.6, which compares to 118 but times 65 times 12 millimeters. Now, what that actually means is uh, it's slightly narrower, but it's also substantially thinner by about 10, 15% or so, which doesn't sound like a great deal, but it does mean that overall the volume of the device is about 10% less. Um, in the hand, that means it feels uh, significantly thinner. It's you know, These cheap low-end devices often feel quite chunky. And the 435, you know, it still has that, but it's certainly not to the same extent as the you know, the, the 435. So I get the numbers the wrong way around there. Um, in terms of the actual camera as well, there's also a bit of a difference. It's an f2.2 versus an f2.8 aperture. That, I mean, it's still a fixed focus camera. So we're talking the lowest of the low end cameras, but in theory, you should get slightly better results out of the f2.2 uh, aperture lens. And then you can also talk about uh, the fact that the 430 is only available in a dual SIM variant, kind of reflecting that the markets it's going to be available in, which is kind of, I guess, another difference. It's uh, Asia Pacific, India, Middle East, Africa, Russia, Kazakhstan, Ukraine, and Belarus. So you'll notice that's not in Eastern Europe, Western Europe, or North America, um, which the Lumia 435 is in some of those, probably not in the States, although it may be in time. And then, of course, there's the price difference. It's about uh, $10 or 10 euros different at the announcement price. When you actually translate that into the high street price, I mean, we said in the original story that it's equivalent to a UK high street pairs you go price for around £40. So again, that's about £10 less than we saw the uh, 435 come out at. It, in, in practice, um, you're not going to see them in the UK. And so that, that kind of price comparison is a little bit meaningless, but it is just that little bit cheaper. And I guess it's the difference between you know, coming out a few months later, presumably they've got slightly different component supply. Um, but for the most part, the kind of all the core specs are things like the memory, um, you know, gigabyte of RAM, Snapdragon 200 processor, the eight gigabytes of internal memory, they're all the same, you know, the screen size and stuff like that. And so, uh, you know, it, it kind of surprises me that it's quite so similar and it's come out quite so soon after the uh, 435. But so it goes back to the point I was making at the beginning of the discussion that on these low end devices, that even a small difference 
would actually be worth exploiting because you know, when you're talking about ten pounds on a device that costs you know fifty or sixty pounds, you know that's twenty percent of the cost. That's a substantial difference. You know, some people will be able to afford this phone that wouldn't have otherwise been able to. Let's say, particularly when you see this in the light of actually the uh, the four thirty five is in a sense. Um, the expensive version and the Lumia 430 is the, the version for markets where price is absolutely critical, even more critical than, you know, kind of low end in the UK. So, um, it, it's, it's one of those devices. I don't think it's going to, um, elicit much excitement from most of the listeners, but pretty amazing to see, uh, a smartphone in the Lumia range being announced with a kind of an announcement and starting price of $70. I didn't think it would get that low that quickly. Yeah, I just wanted to comment briefly on the camera. Yes, people will say, oh, Steve, going on about cameras, even for the low-end budget Lumias. But it's quite an interesting, significant difference there. Are you saying F2 over 2.2 versus F over 2.8? Just to put that into plain English, um, for a fixed-focus camera, a 2.8 aperture basically means that most things are in focus from something like half a meter through to infinity going to a larger aperture it does give you a lot more light probably something like twice the light um so basically most photographs will will look better because they're accepting more light into these budget lumia cameras but you won't get quite the same depth of focus so if you're taking a photograph of a landscape with one of these cheap phones it will be slightly blurred not that you'd notice for the distance and of course it means you can also perhaps not take photographs of macro subjects like your food quite so easily but for i think they probably thought well Let's give them a, a, a better camera in terms of aperture. Then light, most shots will come out of traditional subjects, things that are a metre away, two metres away, people, family, friends, pets, whatever. And they'll have more light coming in, so they'll end up with better photographs. And I think that's a sensible compromise. It is. And I mean, you're not taking the aperture right down to what you have on some of the high-end things where it's sort of 2.0. This is you know, still, I think, a reasonable compromise. And if you think about the type of photos you're typically going to take with this, you're probably not looking to do the, the art macro photos it's kind of <laughs> aid memoirs or kind of capturing memories and a bit of life and so you now I, I think that's very sensible and the other thing i want to bring up here is that the fact it also has a, a front-facing camera i mean admittedly it's only kind of a, a low resolution vga one but it does mean you can do things like skype calls uh, i think selfies is probably pushing it a little bit <laughs> Um, but you know that's a, I think an important distinction from some of the earlier low end devices. You know, the I think the six thirty probably being the, the classic example of this that missed off the front facing camera, and that always felt like a compromise too far. And you had something similar with the the five twenty and some of those series of devices. And it's really great to see actually the minimum what I call the core spec is actually pretty strong now on these low end devices, and that also extends into the one gigabyte of RAM and eight gigabytes of uh, internal memory. I've always felt that's kind of a minimum that you should have, uh, given that there's this kind of uh, app limit for some of the lower memory devices, which is something we've talked about in the past. It hasn't been that big a deal, but there are some of the high profile titles in games in particular that don't run on that. And it's just actually also about the whole smoothness of the performance. It makes it a bit more future proof for things like Windows 10. Um, and it, you know, it isn't something that Nokia or Microsoft ever did, but the four gigabyte Windows phone devices were virtually unusable in terms of smartphone terms, because as soon as you started installing apps, you, you ran out of memory. Um, 
you know, sometimes they had a micro SD card, uh, but actually back then you weren't always able to install things onto the, the micro SD card. So, you know, it might be a bit more acceptable today, but honestly, you know, given that the prices for the difference between four gigabytes and eight gigabytes are very, very small now in terms of bit of material cost, that's a sensible decision. But it, if anything, it makes these low end devices even better value. Um, it does bring back the point we were kind of making. Uh, when we're talking about the mid-tier devices, that really the only difference becomes about the, the materials and then the quality of the components used. So as you go up to the mid-tier devices, you get a better camera and a better screen and quite often kind of more sophisticated use of plastic is probably the best way to describe it, particularly if you think about something like 735 and then you bring in the metals with the 830. Um, I, I think we'll see that continue in the high end where you're going to see the premium metals and the very best in terms of screen and camera. But uh, it's it's noticeable, Stephen. I don't know whether you saw this in the Lumia 435 review that you've done, that even on the low end, the kind of the quality of the screen has stepped up from a couple of years ago. I mean, previously, they were noticeably very poor. And it's not that you can't see the difference now, but there seems to be less of a gap. Yeah on the budget phone so it makes it it makes it easier to recommend that as a purchase even as someone who's quite concerned about that kind of quality component if you like um the the 430 and you know the 435 which i think we can consider sister devices are better low-end devices than anything we've had on windows phone before yeah i think most appropriately is also rafe the the 435 and the 430 displays are best really compared to some of the uh, feature phones. I mean, we saw, and you can't count Nokia Asher phones as feature phones. That's debatable in its own right. But certainly at the low end, we're used to cheap TFT displays. And you look at them and think, well, okay, that's fine in a pitch dark room. But uh, you take it outdoors, you just won't be able to see it at all. The 435 display was certainly viewable outdoors, helped, of course, by this sunlight readability enhancements stuff that Nokia stroke, well, Nokia engineers at Microsoft do to bump up the contrast and bump up the brightness, the backlight to its absolute maximum when it's outdoors and sunlight. But uh, add it all together, the quality of the screen and those enhancements, and it's, it's not as good as the clear black displays and things like the 735 and the 830. Of course, it's not, but then it's a lot cheaper. Certainly, I had no problems using it outdoors, and I, I agree. I think the, the display technology, technology across the board, from the low end right up to the high end, you know, the, the top-end Android devices, the top-end Lumias, the top-end iPhones, they really have outstanding displays now. If you'd seen something like a, say that you say your Nokia um, Lumia 920, right, or your 925, clear black display AMOLED. If you'd seen that display three or four years ago, you'd have thought you'd died and gone to heaven. It would just been, how can a display be this good under all light conditions? And yet, there it is. And we just take that as a de facto standard now. And the 435 doesn't quite live up to that, but it's certainly a, a very good display at the price. Uh, absolutely. And it, it makes an important point, I think, that the quality of the display is actually a really important factor, but it sometimes gets ignored, and it's particularly from a development point of view, because it's not an easy thing to always talk about. And some of the technologies like clear black display or you know the being able to use gloves when you're touching a phone are kind of very obvious and easy to demo but some of the more kind of iterative improvements are, are less easy to talk about and yet i think it's one of the most important and underrated things on the phone because you know obviously the one thing you spend all your time uh, staring at and yeah as you say those asher phones and the nokia x phones um you know, it, it wasn't that the screens were really bad it's just i think that the minimum that's kind of been accepted has gone up there is of course still the resolution issue and i think on all these low-end devices you are talking about wide vga resolution which when you put it next to 
720p or 1080p obviously you can see a difference but it doesn't actually make that much difference to the task that you have in hand in most cases now you can make a, a case for video when you're reading large amounts of text and i'd agree but of course now when we're talking about the price you, you, you inherently have to make a compromise and it, yeah it's worth bearing in mind that the 430 essentially you can have eight maybe even ten of those for the price of a you know a high-end smartphone which is pretty amazing when you think about it um that there's it's hard to think of actually another range of consumer electronics where there is such a vast price difference between the high and the low end and yet honestly the core functionality is is pretty similar now oftentimes you know you're you're getting a substantially different product and i'm not trying to say they're identical the same of course they're not um but it 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 is kind of an expression of the fact that smartphones have become so widely available have become commoditized they are the most popular consumer electronics item on the planet that we get this fantastic range and honestly this fantastic value at the low end and it it is a big change which i'm not sure we always appreciate uh, enough particularly as you know high-end smartphones have been in the industry been using them for kind of 10 plus years it sort of it, it, it does take my breath away sometimes um and what that is going to enable the changes that, that that will bring in time because honestly this low-end phenomenon and to a certain extent the mid-tier is something that's really been a something that's risen in the last i would say three or four years and it's only in the last couple of years that we've seen really very good devices that as i say have i would say 80 90 percent of the capability for you know a fifth or six or in this case an eighth of the cost um and so you know, it, it's this difference that we talk about isn't there anymore and so you know it's actually a challenge for manufacturers as well you know how do you kind of sell a more expensive device um, for a certain type of user, you know, they're always going to go for a high-end device. But for a lot of other people, the pressure is sort of, well, I might as well get the cheaper device. It does everything I want it to. Now, of course, there's always going to be innovation and progress. And so that's kind of the answer to that. But it does feel like it's less obvious than it was a few years ago when, you know, more of a distinction. I mean, that, that said, I do feel that um, with the things like the 640 and the 640XL that I saw at MWC, there is now kind of a clear distinction between that low end with the, the 430, 435, that mid-tier with the 6 Series. And the 730, are kind of the upper end of the mid-tier. And uh, we've commented before that the 930 feels like it's a, a bit out of date, which is why we spent so much time talking about the 940 last time. And so that's obviously the next one for a, a big revision. No doubt there will be may well be a few other devices announced uh, in between now and then. As I said, you know, that kind of need to update the, the low end and the mid-tier devices is kind of stronger than the high end simply because the, the price pressure and the competitive pressure may be is stronger there but uh, all in all i actually think the, the lumia 430 what was obviously a very quiet announcement relatively speaking just a few weeks after mwc you know if you you pair that and the 4, 435 which you reviewed steve uh, you know it, it's a strong offering i mean you actually had a chance to use uh, the lumia 40, 435 now for a little while i mean is there anything else that sort of struck you as interesting about it as a device uh, as you said that the sheer fact that you could give that to a teenager and they might actually criticise you for not giving them an iPhone, at which point you say, get real. But absolutely. I mean, given now that it's got the front camera so they can take selfies. And let's, you, I knew, you know you mentioned that the front-facing camera is only VGA, but let's be honest, the average 10, 11-year-old, they're just going to be happy they've got an image with their face on it and their, their celebrity or place they're visiting. And that will be actually the right resolution for Instagram or, or Facebook or Twitter. So who cares? I, I think the with the current spec, the 435 now, is an ideal phone for, for that 
that kind of age age well you could also argue maybe the moto e in the android world or the moto g but but those are actually more expensive devices the this 435 coming in it when a 30 39 pound on pay as you go is an astonishing price for a, a, the, effectively the full smartphone experience and Yes, I pick it up and I say, I could use this as my main smartphone. I choose not to because I rather fancy if you're the bells and whistles elsewhere. But absolutely, this is a perfectly vi- viable first smartphone for a 10, 11, 12-year-old in a family. And if, if it gets trashed, it really isn't the end of the world. You just buy another one. And that's right. And I think there is an interesting comparison to be drawn here with the very low-end Android devices. Now, be the first to say they actually go a little bit cheaper in the Android world. You can pick up one for uh, £30 or even less when you're getting on a pay-as-you-go deal. Uh, But at that point, you really do start to suffer. And it's not just the component. I think it's the performance of the phone. One thing that pleasantly surprised me when I tried these low-end Lumia devices is actually even on the Snapdragon 200 chipset Windows phone is still relatively fluid and relatively smooth I think there are more delays than you typically see on the Snapdragon 400 you will think take see the resuming screen at times particularly after the phone's loaded down and been used for a few months um, and it's you know the, the Snapdragon 800 is still kind of the best thing to have if you want the absolute best performance but that performance differential I think is smaller on Windows phone certainly than on Android um, and it's worth saying that pretty much any of these Lumia devices are well optimized you have to be quite choosy about your low-end and mid-tier Android phones in order to get a good one now uh, we are actually seeing the same thing in the, the Windows phone world some of the kind of phones that you've tried out like, <laughs> yeah. like, like from years and I don't want to pick on yeah. them in particular uh, but actually applies to all of these these phones that don't yeah. feel like they've been optimized or integrated quite so well and it's very notable that you have to be quite careful about the phones you buy so we talked about the moto e there and the moto g i would be quite wary about going outside of that envelope and choosing something from a kind of second or third tier manufacturer because i just don't feel you'll get the same performance and that obviously has an impact on the, the value for money would be something to watch in the windows phone world if some of these other manufacturers and be that uh, you know Kazoom or some of the Indian manufacturers or the Chinese manufacturers uh, kind of get more popular, you know, that may have a negative impact on Windows Phone's reputation for the good performance across the board, which has been uh, well earned and has sort of struggled to get there for quite a while. And as I say, you know, th- this comparison between Android and Windows Phone is going to get made, especially as these devices become more readily available. I mean, it was interesting at MWC in Barcelona, Acer announced, uh, I think it was the 220 as a low-end Windows Phone device. Again, it was about the $79 price point. So not that dissimilar to the uh, 430 here. Uh, And Acer actually said Windows Phone performs better on these low-end devices than the equivalent Android device. And obviously that's about the engineering. And there's you could get into a massive argument about it. But I think the evidence that we've seen based on my use of kind of low-end devices would certainly back that up. Um, and so that's going to be an important thing for you know, Microsoft and Windows Phone in general to defend. And that is why, you know, if you're looking at this very lowest end, I think Windows Phone smartphone is a very good recommendation for any friend or family member. Once you get up into the kind of upper end of the lower end, if you like, I think, yes, <laughs> E start, starts being a very good recommendation. Of course, then you're starting to put it up against the, uh, the, the 640 and then maybe the 730, 830 for the uh, Motorola G. And as you go on, and then, of course, it gets more complicated because you're talking about phones that are a year old and second and all that kind of thing but even so um 
that, you know, it, it maintains, as I've said before, Windows Phone is actually an easy device to recommend for the low end and the mid-tier than it is at the upper end of the market where, you know, if you're looking to buy the best possible phone, you know, iPhone and Android is probably still the one that most people will recommend, despite the fact I really love my 830. But it's kind of telling that I'm carrying around the 830 as my daily Windows Phone device. It's effectively a mid-tier device rather than one of the flagships. Yeah, yeah. just, just going back a point there, to, effectively, I would say that... Uh, uh, the Microsoft Lumia is equivalent to the uh, Motorola Moto E and G range. I mean, as you said there, if you look outside of those, that well-known brand, that fully optimized, fully honed, fully tuned brand name and quality a stamp, you then start running into trouble. On your 361 Degrees podcast, I know you had your $100, was it £100 phone um, challenge. And I know Ben managed to find something a real <laughs> a knockdown price from some obscure Asian source and had all sorts of problems with it. What, what was the, the manufacturer name there? Uh, I'm just trying to remember. I think it was a Lenovo device, which is um, actually, obviously, it's the same as Motorola, but you know, it wasn't the, uh, well, yeah. it is now the same as Motorola, I should say, but you know, it's a, a different market proposition that and you, you can go and buy a device with the maximum possible specs where you know, less time maybe has been put into the software engineering. We're making massive generalizations here, of course. Yeah, but he had a nightmare, didn't he, with it, with all the configuration? Uh, but it's the same reason that some people will go out and choose something like one of the Xiaomi devices, which they feel a bit more effort has been put into optimizing the software. Or, I mean, I guess Smartazan would be another of the Chinese brands that's starting to get quite well known. And actually, if you look at the Indian market, you will see various companies with sort of different brands for kind of high end or for luxury phones. And I think it's you is one of the brands that's just come into prominence of a phone that they take a bit more time in putting together. And obviously, there's a price price to pay for all of that. And I think each of the you know the big manufacturers is is starting to come around to this mid tier device. I mean, the Xperia uh, M or uh, the M Aqua uh, MWC was uh, another mid tier device that looks very strong. LG has a couple of them. Um, with various names. Um, but it takes a while, I think, for those to filter down into you know, the smartphone community to large go, yes, that's a good one. And I think, um, you know, Microsoft with the Lumia range and Motorola with their kind of G and E range, they're actually stolen a bit of March in that I, I hear a lot of people recommending the Motorola devices in particular as good Android devices. And I, I'm sure there are other good Android devices out there in that kind of mid-tier price point. And certainly if you're looking to get value for money, some of the ones like OnePlus One uh, and those other kind of bespoke or the Cyanogen phones uh, are worth looking at as well but there is definitely a delicate balance to be struck between you know going for that maximum value with all the specs and the components and then getting one from a slightly more established name where you do get the kind of safety of uh, maybe a more reliable warranty or a little bit more effort put into the software engineering and i think that's going to be a conversation we continue to have over the next year and uh, across the smartphone world it's you know it's not just um, windows phone that's very much an android thing as well I cannot believe we've been talking for half an hour about the Lumia 430 and 435 range, but there we go. Um, now, do you know, I'm just testing Rafe here, do you know what this acronym stands for? WinHEC, W-I-N-H-E-C, what does it stand for, Rafe, do you know? I think it stands for the Window, Windows Hardware Engineering Community. Either you're showing off or you actually got the, the page up in your web browser. This is a conference that's been going on uh, last week, as it, as it happens, I think it was last Wednesday and Thursday in Shenzhen in China. Basically, it's Microsoft and a lot of the manufacturing community getting together to, and Microsoft saying, look, this is what's coming up. Make sure you're ready for it with your devices and your drivers and your accessories and your electronics. Um, I guess that the single biggest announcement really was the fact that um, there's now Windows 10 SDK and also corresponding hardware tools and utilities, which means that the de- developers have actually got no excuse now not to be 
playing with their, their adapting their Windows Phone 8 and Windows Phone 8.1 code to work fully under Windows 10 and to take advantage of the fact that they could be writing universal applications that, yes, they might initially target for the phone, but that with a very little effort, they can now scale right up to the desktops, tablets, laptops, whatever. Um, so, yeah, full Windows 10 SDK is now go, Rafe. Yeah, and you know, obviously that's in preparation for the release, which uh, we still haven't got an exact date for. But there's been summer, about <laughs> summer, which doesn't really mean very much. Which uh, means my uh, original guesstimate of October the tenth for ten ten probably is uh, now completely wrong. Um, and actually, if you look at some of the indications around uh, Windows Phone devices, actually the summer does make sense. And I guess it would make sense to have the uh, desktop version come out at the same time. But they never, they never said summer in which con- which hemisphere, Rafe. This could be somewhere in Australia. Ah, well, there you go then. So it October. <laughs> it could be a little while away yet. There were a couple of interesting, I thought, technical announcements out of this. One of this was the idea that Microsoft is really going to push the idea of delivering software updates more quickly. Um, there is a project code name around this, which escapes me for the time being. But essentially, they're going to try and tighten up the process by which uh, the base ports happen. And that's kind of some of the hardware integration, the drivers. You know, there's packages that come from Microsoft and then there's packages that come from the hardware makers and uh, the silicon providers. And if they can get those basically through an update process more quickly there will i think still be a bit of a gate with the certification from operators the the aim was to try and get sort of updates in sort of a 10 week time period which for those that end up waiting months and months for sort of previous windows phone updates is good news i don't think there was any official commitment made it was more that there's uh been an effort to kind of improve that process uh, we also uh, we we actually touched on it uh, last week i think microsoft hello in terms of some of the biometrics being able to unlock your device maybe with eye recognition or with fingerprint recognition that's all going to be tied into a central system uh, the idea ultimately i guess would be to get rid of having to enter passwords into a password field and, but i think initially would be about unlocking your devices and kind of easy access to apps but obviously it has implications for uh, mobile payments as well uh, you know, there's also a few little things like USB on the go being supported and then USB type C, which is kind of the new reversible connector and quite a few bits like that, as well as interesting to see a lot of uh, kind of agreements between Microsoft and OEM makers, mainly um, on the tablet side of things, but also on PCs and not just on Windows, also in the Android world about pre-installing certain Microsoft applications, the Office Suite being the big one, but also things like cloud, you know, OneDrive, as well as uh, some of the what used to be the Bing apps and now the MSN apps. And I think some of the companies involved in that include Samsung, Dell, uh, Pegatron, and a couple of the other kind of Chinese uh, OEMs who I'm less familiar with. But uh, all in all, there's actually quite a bit announced there. And certainly in terms of the technical detail, um, there was a lot coming out. Uh, one of the stories I think caught the imagination was about Project Spartan, the idea that Microsoft was going to kind of get rid of Internet Explorer. That's actually not the case. It's going to be around still. be very interesting to see what uh, the browser gets end up being called on the Windows phone devices, because that's obviously a candidate for it being Project Spartan, um, which is the new browser. Will it, will it still be called IE on phones? Or uh, I, I rather hope we avoid a situation that's going to be on the desktop where you have a choice of browsers. I suspect, particularly on mobile, that will not be a a desired outcome. 
Um, so yes, and there's lots more support for various chipsets and things like that. You know, some of the low-level stuff. Um, and so it's just this continuous drumbeat that we'll now see of Windows 10 use. But you say probably picking out the big thing is actually the availability of a little more of the uh, Windows 10 SDK, in particular around universal apps, the ability to create those apps that can effectively, uh, and it, it's more complicated than this, but run from kind of one code base and then run on tablet, PC and smartphone. And actually the way that works is effectively you have add-on SDKs to the kind of core Windows uh, SDK uh, or the universal app SDK and then allow and allow for certain cases running on certain type of devices and so the idea is there is a lot more common code than there was before and then you might allow for certain functionality or capabilities on a mobile device you know access to sensors being a good example you know, you're far more likely to have a GPS and an accelerometer sensor on a phone and indeed a tablet than you are on a desktop PC were there any uh, particular highlights for you out of WinHEC? Well, I just wanted to touch on this this uh, fact that uh, Microsoft is uh, done agreements with all those manufacturers in all those countries to ship its its main office software and service uh, applications on Android phones. Um, not to major too much on the Android point, but it's just one more reason. One more reason why that. The Windows Phone operating system, the Windows Phone interface, the ex- Windows Phone experience, uh, I think, has got to stand on its own apart from this, saying this is the platform where you have the exclusive Microsoft services. Because two or three years ago, Ray, we had, well, if you want the Microsoft Office on a phone, if you want um, Nokia Maps on a phone, all of these things, then you need to get a Windows Phone. That's where it is. That All of that is now going out the window during 2015, and Microsoft really underlined it, really, with the announcements here and those agreements. And just to, just to pass you on to one other story I wrote on the site this week, I, I updated my my lists of 10 reasons why you might want to, why you, people might still want to choose a Windows Phone, and also 10 reasons why they might not want to. Um, but what's curious is that of, of the 10 reasons why you might still choose Windows Phone, most of them are still very much valid, even despite all these um, these application agreements and service agreements. For example, just very, very briefly, um, there was the robustness of the OS, the fact that it's almost impossible to crash a Windows phone. You can give it to a new, new, new user, they can go back, multitasking, um, start, whatever they, whatever button they hit, whatever game they start and then immediately crash, the OS just carries on just fine. There's the, you already mentioned, the speed and responsiveness, the lack of lag on budget hardware, the, uh, the start screen and live tiles, of course, still very much unique. I think that will remain unique to Windows. Um, this is something different. It's not. It's not Android. It's not iOS on the shop shelves. Um, the the one-handed friendly navigation, which is kind of a moot point because Microsoft does seem to be moving away from some of that, and uh, I rather hope they uh, take note of user feedback there. Um, the universal apps coming up with Windows 10, etc., I think will be quite important for uh, saying, okay, let's get a phone that works along those lines. Still enterprise friendly. Um, still not hackable. Still safe from viruses by virtue of being a minority platform. Um, and generally. Uh, some silly, some some unique hardware selling points. So there's still plenty of my original ten points, which are still absolutely valid, despite everything Microsoft's doing to become a services company and to put all its properties on every single other mobile platform. Ray, absolutely, and I mean, I think you know people can get hung up on this point about keeping special things for Windows Phone or Windows as a mobile platform. I think Microsoft has done exactly the right thing in making its service more widely available. And actually, I think it's a case of that will advertise the Microsoft services. It might well generate as much interest in Windows Phone as keeping them unique to Windows Phone would have done because it is, as you say, a minority platform. 
and people didn't have a chance to kind of try out these services or on you know android and obviously iphone as well and so i think the fact that they are making a big effort to make them just as available i think in, in one sense that will generate just as much interest in microsoft's mobile activities in terms of oh maybe i should check out the you know the full mobile platform from uh, microsoft as well as will be lost by you know the kind of if you like losing that uniqueness uh, more to the point actually i think even with the best will in the world, you still don't get the consistency of the experience on these other platforms as you do with uh, Windows Phone. It's noticeable that Microsoft has, um, it, it's kind of mixed in some cases, they're building on top of the kind of design language of the, the host platforms, if you like, but they're still very much the Microsoft design language. And, you know, you can see for things like uh, Skype on iPhone, for example, it, you know, it has some of the pivot views. It doesn't always use the native look and feel to each platform. And I, I don't think, Microsoft has actually been terribly consistent there. It'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few years because this kind of be everywhere thing is still getting going. But if you know, look at the evidence of some of the Office apps, which you know, one of the early proponents of this, you know, they're trying actually to kind of put the Microsoft way of doing things in terms of the uh, you know user pr- user experience principles and some of the design language on Android and iOS and. Yes, of course, there's a bit of marrying and there's a bit of uh, bringing up the you know Android material design or uh, the iOS design language. But also there is this this sense that you can try out the Microsoft way of doing things. So I think that's quite, quite powerful. To so say when it gets back to it, 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 it can be slightly uh, choppy when you, you drop into one thing and the other. And, you know, we get that on Windows Phone as well when we get the third-party apps that haven't bothered to you know, create that modern, that metro experience. And I, I wonder if we see the same thing with Microsoft services on other platforms. Are they good enough on their own that people won't notice that? I mean, this is a you know, big debate for the future of smartphones in general, actually. You know, we've had three platforms but increasingly, some companies are trying to establish their own design language, their way of doing things. You, know, you see it with Google Maps on iOS, for example, or Twitter or Facebook having their own way of doing things, which isn't always standard to the platform. It can be confusing for users, and there is definitely a tension there. Um, so that's a very long-winded way of saying, um, actually, yes, there are still de- very definite reasons to choose Windows Phone. I was likewise surprised when i read this article i thought there'd be more changes and i thought this idea of this specialness of office or xbox or skype on windows phone it's a strategy that hasn't worked if we're frank you know there isn't been massive uptake of uh, windows phone because those are present on the platform uh, and i don't honestly think it'll make that much difference you know i don't i think anyone who has uh, really wanted those has probably come to windows phone and wants to be in the microsoft ecosystem as fully as possible and the fact they're available elsewhere will make very little difference to them but the fact that microsoft can obviously now address the whole of the mobile market not just the five percent of windows phone of course it was never like that they they were always doing things elsewhere but you know, th- this is a big change you know people have commented on it, this idea of the one microsoft it's mobile first cloud first platform agnostic it's the right way to do it. and it, it does feel like there's a bit of renaissance and certainly microsoft has been getting much more positive media coverage as a result yeah yeah uh, we, we're kind of out of time rafe but i just wanted to finish on one thought and tease something for next week now can you tell me i know i happen to know that you're an iphone user at the moment rafe which is kind of a shock horror people may have gathered that because you use an iphone for work so which iphone have you got I'm currently sort of switching between the the 5S and the 6 Plus. I'm fortunate to have access to both, and uh, I've also got Android devices. Work. I will say my personal device is still a, a Windows Phone, a Lumia 830, so people can kind of uh, <laughs> <laughs> not get too horrified by that. I think anyone who's commenting on smartphones really needs to be able to say they've used yeah. every platform. 
otherwise you know it's not that the opinion is less valid it's just you're able to give a fuller picture and a, a better yeah. comparison yeah. i did notice you managed to uh put an iphone 6 versus 930 comparison onto the side and i, I suspect you're going to ask me next week so <laughs> from each, you? well i'm going to make the point that uh as we're out of time on this podcast that we save that for next week and that we go over that because I, it's not just steve saying rah rah windows phone is best nine, nine lumia 930 beats iphone 6 it does kind of if you look at the table and you look at my scoring but there are some interesting points there in terms of the strengths and weaknesses and, and whether something wins on hardware something wins on software something wins on services something wins on experience and i think there's a lot to talk about there and i know you've got a six plus but the six is kind of in between the 5s and the six plus so uh, hopefully you've got enough iphone experience and certainly i, I think i've had enough playing with the various platforms that we can uh, take that as our main subject for the next podcast right yeah absolutely we're, we're going to talk through that and i think it'd be interesting to get some you know, listeners comments for anyone who's actually used uh, both of those and i think it brings up the really important point that it's never going to be as simple as declaring one better than the other because it very much depends on the categories that you look at yeah which market you're in how much you want to spend and all of that and actually i think the 930 the iphone 6 commerce is actually a particularly good one for that because there are some very clear contrasting areas um, yeah. whereas quite often when you're doing android flagship versus android flagship you know the htc1 versus the samsung s range it, it, it's a much harder thing to do and you know, it is quite different philosophies. And yet the interesting thing, of course, is that in some ways, Windows Phone is closer to the iPhone way of doing things than Android is. And I mean, in many ways, I actually feel that Windows Phone and Microsoft's philosophy in mobile sits fairly squarely between the Apple way of doing things and the Google way of doing things. And that can be to its both its benefit and its detriment. So maybe we'll also touch on that in the next podcast. Love to, love to. Okay, well, thanks, Ray. It's been great talking to you. We'll catch everybody else on the next podcast. And it's goodbye from me. Bye from me. Thanks everyone for listening.